0: We are the number one podcast for self empowerment, the go to podcast for people that are tired of living as a lesser version of themselves and who are ready to make a change in their lives and those around them. If you're tired of kneecapping your growth and settling for less than you know you deserve, this is the podcast for you. We are way too spicy. And this is the Success System Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the Success System Podcast, brought to you by Way Too Spicy and you, our supporters. In our last episode, we discussed the importance of making quick decisions. If you haven't heard that episode, we highly recommend you check it out. And with that being said, let's jump into this week's episode. Today, we add a fresh new perspective by interviewing Zaina Habib, Zaina is an embodied leadership coach and trainer. Her focus is on empowering her clients to navigate change and boost their resilience and enhance their leadership, excuse me, leadership capabilities. She's originally from Lebanon and has worked with clients from all over the world. In her free time, she's also a dancer and a yoga practitioner and a big believer that we believe we experience life through our bodies and not just our mind. Introducing Zaina. How are you today?
2: Good, how are you? I'm
1: doing well, can't complain. What brings you to the Success System podcast?
2: Well, first of all, I love the concept. I love that that. you're kind of trying to spread new ideas Mm -hmm. from different perspectives, from different people. I think this is what we need because we don't know what each person needs. Yes. And having that kind of variety um, gives more people access to different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I noticed that... The more people you have speaking, the more people benefit, the more they feel less alone. Yeah, And I kind of love that.
1: I love it. I love it. I appreciate you sharing that. So tell us a little bit about your journey, your story, and start from the beginning. I know you're a coach, but you weren't always a coach. So how did we get here?
2: Yeah, no, I was not always a coach. So um, my background is actually in civil engineering and construction. You know, um, in my country and in a lot of places, you grow up, like, good in math and physics sometimes, and you're like, okay, I should do engineering. Mm -hmm. I'm great at that. So I go into college. I do this. And I felt disconnected. I mean, it felt like it wasn't the thing that I wanted to do. I've always been a people person. And I wanted to give back and to kind of help. So I start working in construction. It's a man's world. Mm-hmm. I'm like one woman mm-hmm. among, I don't know. I think there was, at one point I was the only woman among like 30 men. Mm-hmm. And they're all great, but yeah. it's just a different mentality. Yeah, 100 th- felt lonely and it mm-hmm. felt also, I was like kind of labeled as aggressive mm-hmm. and people were scared of me. Not something I wanted for myself. Yeah. So, um... Someone tells me, like, take this, you know, cool relational needs communication training. Mm -hmm. And I do. Mm -hmm. I go, I take the training, and they're like, first of all, the first time I'm there, I feel this energy that I'm, like, so myself. I don't Mm -hmm. know how to explain it. It just felt so real. And then they were like, okay, this is, you're great at this. Do you want to join our team? And I remember, um, like, so I was helping them do the youth camp training. And then I get a call. I remember very well I was having dinner on the beach. I got a call and he's like, we have an adult training starting in two days. And I don't have someone to support me. Mm-hmm. I don't have like a co-leader. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take it? I'm like, yes, of course I want to take it. And then there I find myself going training after training, not stopping, just kind of like shadow coaching. Mm-hmm. I, I struggle a bit with like wanting to do psychology, development, a lot of things. And yeah. then I settle on coaching.
1: Yeah. And before you go further, I actually wanted to take a step back and like really dive deep into what you just shared there. Right. You knew that you were I'm assuming your family was pushing you to math, science, like go to school, get, you know, becoming engineer and and a part of you didn't want that.
2: So I've always I think. They were like, become an engineer. Yeah. It wasn't the math and science sport. I've mm-hmm. always actually wanted to be a physics teacher. Really? Like that was mm-hmm. my biggest mm-hmm. dream was like, you know, finish and become a physics teacher. And for them was like, you're not going to make money doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was their perspective. And I think at that point I was too young and too scared To make that decision. To be like, no, I'm going to do the physics and I'm going to teach.
1: To follow your passion.
2: Exactly. And I lived in a country. I mean, I feel here in the U.S., you see the options more. You see Mm -hmm. people doing different things. In Lebanon, it was a bit different. I mean, you don't have as much um, visibility or as much choices. And you don't see that many people succeeding. Like, here you will see people in physics finding different things to do. So, I think that was a big part of it. And, yeah, I ended up doing, like... And I struggled for a year. Like, I'd come home crying, and we'd had discussions. Like, it was a year of, like, back and forth yeah, with that. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll do it. And and I, it's not like I did not feel like I failed, but mm-hmm. it's like when you're doing something that you could be good at but you're not passionate about, it every day feels like a burnout. Oh, if yeah. that makes sense. Oh, no. absolutely. It makes perfect sense. You can do yeah. it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm curious, what what were the thoughts that were going on in your head during that year? Because I know that I find and I know I've spoken to a lot of other people who have the same experience, and that whenever there is this friction between wanting to do something internally and the fear of doing it externally, the thought pattern is always the same in their head. So can you give us a glimpse into what that was like yeah. for you?
2: Um I think there was a lot of like loneliness in it. Like thinking like Is this, if I choose what I want, is this going to alienate me? Mm -hmm. And when I, if let's say I go ahead with what I want and I fail, am I going to go back and they're going to be like, oh, you know, like you did it wrong. Mm -hmm. They're going to be like uh, blaming me. And now I look at it differently as like, I had more I would have been happy because I would have taken responsibility for my decisions. I love that you
1: said responsibility. Yeah.
2: Not yeah. someone else's decisions. Yes, yes. Which is not what I do. Yeah. But you know, as a eighteen year old You don't know any better. It's right? completely different. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You're terrified. Uh-huh. You're and, and the funny thing is like I was making money back then. Like my parents were were amazing helping with my education. Like, I couldn't have done the education part without of them. But, like, my daily life expenses, I really tried to work Mm -hmm. to make money. So I was not, like, I knew the concept of, like, working hard and making money for things. So I could have done it. Mm -hmm. But I think in the back of my head, there were those thoughts of, like, you're not going to make it, it's not going to work, and then you're going to end up alone, and they're right, and they know better. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And all of these things. And I think also the culture doesn't help. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. in our culture, and I feel like in a lot of them, we believe a lot in like engineers, doctors, lawyers. What well, we've been sold. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a, <laughs> the way to live life. Yes, yes Absolutely.
0: Yes. So with your culture and your internal thoughts essentially pulling you in the opposite direction of where you wanted to go, how did you navigate that? Like what was the spark for you that got you to say, no, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what the culture says. I'm going to make this one decision. And I'm just going to live with the consequences.
2: So when I did the coaching training, I think, first of all, I had so many people believing in me suddenly. Mm -hmm. Like I was this new person in that team. And they were treating me as if it was like, not a miracle, but like they were just like amazed at what I can do. I was also amazed by it, but I felt like their energy believing in me and pushing me and like giving me more responsibilities and it felt like I can do this you know other people were believing in me I was starting to succeed in it Mm -hmm. and I was seeing myself succeed and then kind of which, as I always say, like, confident, like action breeds the confidence. Like, the more you do oh, yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. so I was starting to believe in myself. Because
1: yeah. you took action. And and I think you said something really important, right? You had a group, you had an environment that could support that and cultivate that energy for you. Not a lot of people have that. So what advice would you give to the audience on how they can deal with that or even try to, you know, get out of their comfort zone and do something different and try something that may speak to their heart a little bit more?
2: I think one of the biggest thing is, finding your people. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't, because a lot of people, I'm lucky. I mean, I talk, like, my parents are great. As like, I never felt really alone in general in life. Um, and I had great friends. I had all of the support system. But I meet a lot of my clients who don't have that same mm-hmm. opportunity. But I always say, like, it does not have to be your family and friends. It could be a new community. Mm-hmm. Like, I moved here. I started dancing. I have a dance community that supports that. And I think each person in every aspect can find that, whether it's a mentor. A teacher, someone you just met, you got to go out there and create a support system if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the pillars. Like, if I look at my how the system that I work, one of the pillars of change management and how to navigate change is finding a support system. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can do it alone. I mean, I'm very independent and I'm like struggle with that, but I realize no matter how much I struggle with it, no matter how much I believe I am independent. You need a support system. Yes, it's the only way to make it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I love that because that's something we actually spoke about um, ourselves. Is like I'm also a guy that's I gotta do everything myself, but realizing you can't be superwoman, you can't be Superman, right? You have to build that community, that tribe that allows you to. To lean on each other a little bit more, right? And and I and I I like to think of it as um, one of the things that we were big believers in is um I don't know if you read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I have right. And so um on the the leadership paradigm where it's dependent, then uh, independence, and then interdependence. Yep. Right. And so. We should add that image when we're doing that. But, um, but right, it's, it's knowing that, you know, first you're dependent and you have to become independent. And once you become independent, now you can be interdependent, right? And so the independence is really just finding out what you shine in most of all and then finding the people that surround you and complement what you can give to the world.
2: Yeah, 100%. And I feel like throughout our life, we move through that cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's like, you know, it's not like, you know, you're 17, you're dependent, and then it just changes. Yeah. I think it doesn't matter how old you are, you move through that cycle, mm-hmm. just depending on your life circumstances, the people that maybe leave, your job, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we constantly moving through it. And it's not fun to do that. Yeah. But there's no other way around it. I know, absolutely.
0: I love that. The only way is through. And I love how you were saying how essentially no matter your age or where you are in life, life is cyclical, right? It always has been cyclical. And I think a key part of surviving and really thriving in cycles is understanding that the version of yourself that you create for cycle one may not necessarily be able to get you through cycle two. Yeah. Right. It's really the humbling yourself enough to stay open to your capacity for growth.
2: Definitely, 100% yeah. agree with that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I did write some questions, but I wanted to ask you a little bit. I know one of the things that we talked about was dealing with the anxious feelings. Um, how did you go about doing that? Because I'm sure we all feel anxious at, at some point in our lives, but for different things. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. So I've always, and I didn't know until I was an adult, that I, was, I had an anxious personality. Because mm-hmm. I struggled with that since I was a kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not being able to fall asleep sometimes getting anxiety attacks and things like that. And then when I went to see a therapist, I just because I was like, I believe in therapy in general, like being a coach. And I went to see a therapist and I was like telling him what was going on with me. And he looks at me, he's like, you already had those mechanisms. Like you know how to deal with it, you just didn't know how to. And basically what I feel with anxiety is that I don't think you can take it away. So my clients, when they come to me and they're like, I want to remove anxiety from my life, I don't think that's a possibility. Yeah. I think it's more learning how to cope with it. Mm-hmm. I think it's about mm-hmm. acknowledging it, knowing that it exists, feeling it in your body, knowing what it feels like in your body, and understanding that it's not going to stay there. Mm-hmm. So it's that constant mental work of recognizing it, realizing it's not going to stay, and sometimes riding the wave. Like I would wake up sometimes at night, and some days I'll be able to, to meditate through it and fall back asleep and other times i'm like i'm just gonna play a video game you yeah. know yeah. and i think the biggest 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 thing for me is movement i mean i think dancing i don't want to say saved my life but definitely changed my life i i danced when i was three i was not like actually dancing dancing it was more in my room but mm-hmm. i didn't know that i was coping like i didn't know that this was my coping mechanism my entire life mm-hmm. Until I got here and started doing it more as a hobby. And it doesn't have to be dancing. It just has to be movement, movement through our body. Because when you're anxious, it's hard sometimes to sit and meditate. So I always say moving meditation is better. You go around, you just kind of like, you know, process things as you're moving. And you're letting that built up energy from the anxiety out of your body Mm -hmm. through the movement, and like I told you last time, that's eighty percent of the time, mm-hmm. and then the other twenty percent, just eat chocolate. I mean, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> do whatever terrible coping mechanism you have. <laughs>
1: I hear that, right? Because we we got a, it's a balance, right? Yeah. Everything's a balance. I feel like you know, with day this day and age in social media, you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this to be successful or to feel like you're you're something. But at the end, it's finding what works for you, and I think you found that out. But you know what? Sparked a little curiosity in my mind is what were you coping with at a young age? Um, even just dancing in your room, I'm sure there were certain things that you were dealing with.
2: Um, I mean, definitely. I think, um, you know, I-, I think first of all, I was born. I'm hyperactive, so mm-hmm. I think I had a very fast mind being born border I don't know, I was never actually diagnosed with ADHD, but my mom did say like she actually called a the therapist once just like to understand like what is going on. So I think I'm borderline ADHD. So I think that's one part mm-hmm. being born into it. I think my dad um is also like hypervigilant, very like high um anxiety and movement. I think that affected me. And I think how like the dynamics in my family, the dynamics at school, my country being so I mean, a lot of bombing happening here and there. Mm -hmm. All of that just kind of made me even more anxious. And we don't really, we didn't know back then what it meant to be high energy. No one, you know, helps you understand that you could calm yourself or bring your energy down or you had control over that. They didn't have that knowledge of emotional intelligence that we have now, Mm -hmm. that, that we teach parents to work their kids with. So I think that did not help also. And it just kind of like added on top of it. Um, I think now I'm much better at it. I'm much better at noticing it. I'm much better at bringing my energy down when I need to. Am I perfect? Uh, not always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I try my best to know, you know, the sometimes dietary triggers, you know, life triggers. Mm-hmm. And go through that cycle that we oh, talked yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It never stops. But. I think big thing is like you said, is having the awareness that, okay, this is happening and maybe today I'm just gonna eat a chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like you just said. You know.
2: Give myself permission. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Exactly. I think I think another thing I really like that you said is it's giving yourself permission to not do the ideal thing. And I think a lot of people feel very bad about that. It's a lot of lot of self hate in those ones. Like, ah, I know I'm not supposed to be eating this chocolate, but I'm eating it anyways. It's so good, right? But it's really like, no, it's okay. Right, one of the things I'm very big on telling people is you don't have to earn the grace that you give yourself, right? You're just deserving of grace because you exist, right? You win all these silent battles every day that you don't give yourself credit for. And sometimes it's okay if you don't win this battle, right? The name of the game is to win the next rep all the time.
2: I love that one.
0: Thank you. Thank you. But I'm just curious, what, were some, what was that process like for you, right? Because I like how you talk about how you were dealing with all of these experiences and you were getting all these tools through, these, through this coaching program, but it wasn't like you had like, this is the experience, and this is what you do for the yeah, experience. Yeah. So what was that experience like for you actually connecting the dots between things that you had already been working on getting a handle of and the skill set that you were getting from your coaching experience?
2: Well, um, that's a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> it's been making me pause. Mm-hmm. Take your time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's a difficult one. Let's just start there Mm -hmm. because the coaching process is not just about learning tools. Is that you have to go through the entire process Mm -hmm. that you're taking your clients through. Mm -hmm. I can't go to my clients if I don't do the awareness, if I don't decide to improve myself. It's not fair and it's not going to help anyone. So that was the first tough part is that I had to do this. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, processing all the emotions and feeling them and getting exhausted from them. Because all those emotions made me do decisions of like leaving a long-term relationship, which was heartbreaking, leaving my country and moving, all of which created a lot of things with it. So it was difficult decisions to make. Mm -hmm. So it was processing emotions, making those difficult emotions, and a lot of trial and error, and a lot of difficult moments because... For example, when I moved to Belgium and then before I moved to the States, the Belgium year was tough. Gained a lot of weight, you know, it was very low on energy. I don't I don't think it was depression, but it was like a lot of low, low place for me. And that by itself right now is something I hold with me to remember that I don't want to go back there. But I had to experience this. Um, and then that was kind of part of my toolbox right now was like, How do I not go back there? What are the things I need, which were movement and dancing and all of these things? So I think it's like living life in parallel of being a coach and having those tools and kind of experimenting with them Mm -hmm. and understanding that my clients are going to go through the same exact process.
1: Mm Exactly, exactly, exactly. I don't want to do you want to add on more to I have a question for you but um, I know one of the things that we talked about what our audience is dealing with imposter syndrome so I would love for you to share some of that experience for you if you dealt with it is it something that was came to your mind I know you said it felt right as you were coaching but as you were making that transition where there's still times where like man am am I good enough to do this should I really do this
2: yeah I mean imposter syndrome is a big one (laughs) it's I think it comes up especially before and I, I don't know if it's like imposter syndrome for me or more like the extreme anxiety that comes up, mm-hmm. because, and I think it's a mix because the imposter syndrome is a part of you. So what you do is that you develop this positive image of yourself while the imposter syndrome is at the same time. So I'd be like going into you know a workshop and there'll be a voice of me is like you don't know what you're doing. Or you're going to fail at this or it's going to be terrible. But there's another voice that's like, you know, you've done this a million times. Mm-hmm. You know, you mm-hmm. know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it was like that anxiety and that imposter syndrome coming up. But I already had built this very strong voice. And I think it gets activated on the truth. Like it's get it gets activated when I truly know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Not when I'm going in and like, you know, as a beginner and like fake it till you make it mentality. Yeah. But when I know what I'm doing, I can feel this positive voice coming up. And I always tell my client, we're not here to remove imposter syndrome. We're here to build that positive voice. I love that. And I'm not saying there's no ways to reduce the imposter syndrome. But I think the bigger asset is learning to build that positive voice so that there's something fighting. Mm -hmm. It's not constantly like, how do I stop this? It's there. Great. But how do I know that it's not the only thing that's there? So I think that's the biggest thing for me is how do I build this positivity from experiences that I've had, from things that I've done, from successes, and from simply jumping sometimes and listening and trusting that the people around me who believe in me are telling me the truth. Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's, a, it's something that you see in everyone. The most successful people have that coming up. We all have that voice within us, and I don't think it ever goes away.
1: So with that inner voice, how would you, you know, talking to the audience, how would you help them cultivate that or start to cultivate it? Because I, I think a lot of people are at the part where they haven't cultivated that inner voice or they've been ignoring it for so many years, it's so quiet, I can't hear it anymore. So what, would, what advice would you give to the audience?
2: Um, first of all, get into action. I think that's the, the, the hardest thing is staying in our mind and trying to think it. Mm-hmm. Get in your body and do the thing that makes you feel the most you. Go play a soccer game. It does not it does not have to be, let's say, you know, what's creating the imposter syndrome is public speaking. You have to go out and start doing it. But you don't have to start there. You can start with hobbies. You can start with anything outside of it, cooking, anything that you know you can do. We all have that mm-hmm. one thing or like that little thing that we love and that we know how to do. Start there. Start doing it and start noticing how you're getting better. Start noticing how people are telling you good things so that you know that you can you have the growth mindset. Mm-hmm. I think the first step is moving from the fixed mindset, I'm not good, I can't do it, to, oh, I can get better, I can do more. Once that is there, take baby steps in the thing that you're scared of. Mm-hmm. If you're scared to speak up, promise yourself next week you're gonna speak up once the entire week in one of your meetings. Mm-hmm. And do it. And practice it. I always tell my clients, practice it inside of your body. So feel the fear in your body. Where is it? And then breathe through it. Just let it exist because it's hard for us to think about the fear, but it's easier to feel it. It's easier to breathe. And then be like, okay, it's there. I'm going to calm my body down, and I'm just going to do that step. And then the second time, you'll do it twice. And then the third time, you'll do it four times. And then maybe you'll fail once, and then you'll get up again. And it'll become that cycle of learning again. Yeah. But you got to start doing. Yeah. You can't think it.
1: Yeah. I love the um, analogy that this analogy really helped me, and I, I share with other people. It's like you got to face the dragon, right? We, we all go on a hero's journey, and we all have to slay some type of dragon. Oh, and yeah. that dragon is whatever you make it to be. And so I love that you shared that because, right, it is just starting one step at a time. Okay, I did it. All right, let, let, okay, one more time. Oh, man, I just did it. And then it's, you start to realize, okay, I'm more capable than I actually give myself credit yeah.
2: for. It's all by trial and error. Mm-hmm. No one knows by the first time.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. I definitely love that. I think one of the key things that I took from that is that the big part of what you said is that you showed up. Yeah. Right? I feel like so many people, they're so afraid of failing that they don't show up at all. Yep. And it, it's baffling because like a lot of people, they fail to realize in the moments of them not showing up, they are guaranteeing their failure. Because you cannot succeed if you don't show up.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 100%. And one thing is that show up as much as your body's allowing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. because And this is one of the things that I always f- see people struggle with. Do not do more than where you're at. Because then you'll say like, oh, I tried, but I couldn't make it. Mm. Yeah, because you took a step of three stairs when your body could only take two. Mm -hmm. And then you overwhelmed your body with so many emotions that it shut down. So make sure that you're doing within getting out of your comfort zone, but within a step that does not cause your body or push your body to shut down. Mm -hmm. So where is that limit? And make sure that you're staying within it. And when you need a break, take it like kind of constantly navigating the discomfort and then the comfort. Mm-hmm. So you feel safe mm-hmm. while jumping. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, that
0: makes, makes a lot of sense. sense honestly. But I, I do have a question based on that. So what advice would you give to someone who tries to jump that third step and misses?
2: Ooh. Um, well, definitely, first of all, give yourself grace. Take a break. If you need that break, if you need comfort, find that comfort, like, I don't know if you're trying to apply for jobs and it's not working and you took that step and you got rejected. Stop applying for a week, two, whatever time you need, just to take that break. Do things that you're going to succeed in, do things that you're going to love doing, just to build up that confidence back again and to take a break because constantly pushing ourselves without that break is like. You know, if your muscles, if you're not resting your muscles, if you're exercising the whole time and you're not resting your muscles, they're not going to heal to grow. Mm -hmm. Same concept Mm -hmm. goes here. If you're not giving yourself that grace and that moment to rest a bit, you won't be able to grow. And that was probably one of my biggest lessons because I'm someone who pushes a lot. I push myself, I push others. And then I realized when I first got here is that if you keep pushing yourself and you don't give yourself a blanket of security, your your body's going to resist it. Your nervous system, your muscles are going to be like, whoa, I'm completely unsafe. Something's going to happen. So we got to be able to be gentle, but at the same time, not too comfortable in a sense of we're not moving forward, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: So following a balance between comfort and discomfort. Yep.
2: Okay. hundred percent.
0: Love that answer. Mm-hmm. I love how everything's going back to these cycles. Right. It's like you you really don't realize the systems that are happening all around you. So if you're listening to this and you're you feel like you're stuck in a cycle and you don't know what to do or you're too afraid to take that jump to face your dragon. You don't know if you can make it to that third step, understand that it's okay to jump and miss. Right. I know a lot of people, they're afraid to take a chance on themselves without realizing that most people are only one decision away. From completely changing their lives.
2: And you don't know which decision it is. That's Mm -hmm. the tricky Mm -hmm. part. It's like you can't be picky sometimes because you don't know which decision is going to get you where you want to get. So you got to keep trying. Until with that trial and error, you figure it out. And one more thing, it is not fun. I'm sorry, <laughs> I know. If you're thinking that we're talking right now and making it fun, yeah, it is not, not fun. And you're not alone. So <laughs> yes, if you yeah. think it's not fun, I get it. Yeah. I understand you. And, you know, I don't know what to say. It's yeah. a tough process.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I, you could have said it better, right? Like, <laughs> it's not fun, guys. It is a process, it's every day. And some days you don't wanna show up. Like, I'm not yeah. perfect. And I always tell other people, Yo, it's okay to not be perfect. And if you need to take a day for yourself, then take a day, right? Oh, yeah. Like you said, just take that rest that you need.
0: Oh, yeah, And I'll say, th- I think in the you taking that day to rest, that is you showing up for yourself, right? Understanding that you don't show up for yourself the same way every single day because someday showing up for yourself is giving yourself the grace to give yourself the space that you need to just feel how you feel, right? Knowing that your feelings are valid. You yeah. feel the way you do for a reason, you've been really grinding hard and you need that moment of reprieve, take that moment of reprieve, right? As long as you understand you can rest, just don't stop.
2: Yeah, and, and this is where it gets tricky even for me, is that how do we tell the difference between, you know, when you wake up and you're like, I don't want to exercise today, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you really need that break. And I think this is important not to let ourselves trick ourselves. Because we tend to do that. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm giving myself permission today because I'm tired. But are you really? Or is this just a part of you that's afraid to take that step? So I don't think, and I've, I think this is more of an open question thing because I don't think there's a science to recognizing the difference. Mm-hmm. I think it's more, you know, sometimes I will get to, like, I'll be climbing. I'll get to the climbing gym. And I'll, I had pushed myself, but then I start the first two climbs and I realized, no, that was exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So I stepped down. So it's it's OK to like start something and then be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't finish it and then maybe I should come down. So it's OK to gauge that, to play around with it and not be very like this or that, because as much as we think, you know, We know ourselves, and we know how to give ourselves permission. We have tricky parts within us. Yeah, we're Mm -hmm. complex. Yeah, that are always trying to, like, you know, take advantage Mm -hmm. of, like, oh, she gives herself permission. Great, I can Mm -hmm. step in now and make her, you know, Mm -hmm. sleep half an hour more. Mm -hmm. It's like another part of you comes out, right? (laughs) So just, like, be aware of that, and just, you know, every second it might change, and that is completely okay, too. Mm
1: -hmm. Love that, Anything else you would want to share with us to the audience? Anything that's been on your mind? You shared a lot. do appreciate that. So.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Um, I was thinking this morning, that's okay. Oh, that go ahead. Was, Let's go for it. I was Let's writing a post and mm-hmm. it came up um, about presence mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how being a follower in the dancing world has made this so much easier. Because the thing about being a follower in the dancing world is that you don't have time to think through your steps. Mm-hmm. There's one person moving you around and you're just following and that mimics so much sometimes of what presence means in this world. Mm-hmm. As a coach, as someone who's existing, what is it like to give up that need to think, that need to control and just follow the music, mm-hmm. just follow the other person and just follow the world and the signs it's giving you? What is it like to just be, be in flow? Be in flow and navigate that experience. Yep. And I think this is the biggest thing is, like, find your flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Find your whatever it is that makes you follow yeah. the world, the universe, just to kind of experience not thinking through things and that intuition and that body intelligence that you have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think it's very important. It's one of the biggest things that helps me fight anxiety because I'm out of here, I'm in here, yeah. and I'm just not succeeding. With the yeah. 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 And I'm succeeding because mm-hmm. this is sometimes where you succeed. This yeah. is sometimes where it's like you mess up when you're dancing. Great. Let's turn to the left instead of the right. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Roll wait. with the punch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So
2: maybe that. Maybe just find your place where you roll with the punches, where you just follow the mm-hmm. world, the energy, whatever it is that you are following, and be present because there, you miss a lot when you're not present. Yeah. Don't, like, try to create as many experiences of presence and flow as you can.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And I have a definition in my head, like, what that means to be present and flow. What would be a, if you could make it, like, try to dumb it down in the sense of, okay, keeping it simple, what does that presence mean to you for somebody that, who doesn't, probably hasn't gone through the experiences that we have, where we have our labels and our definitions on that? Yeah.
2: Um, The easiest way to put it, Mm -hmm. because I think, and it's not like I keep using dancing, but just put any music on. We all move. Put any music on. And just move and don't think. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because a lot of us, we, the first time it's awkward. Yeah. Sometimes like you don't Thinking know. too much. Yeah. yeah. I don't have the technique or mm-hmm. I haven't done this before. Yeah. So yeah. it's basically this. Just do it. It doesn't matter if you do it right mm-hmm. or wrong. You don't have to film it. No one has to see you. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Pick up a paper mm-hmm. and draw whatever on it. Um, go into the kitchen and mix things that you've never mixed before and but put them in the oven. It's just about experimenting. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love that you said that because it really gave me inspiration saying, like, honestly, assume you know nothing about the thing you're about to do and that there's no rules, there's no right way of doing it, and just do it. I right? love it. Oh, yeah. that, that is like, okay, that makes sense, right? Yeah, like, yeah.
0: Definitely love that. I, like, I would like to think of it as instead of going into your head, which I think a lot of people default mm-hmm. to, I tell them get out of your head and get into your heart instead. Yeah. Right. And if a lot of people, if you're listening to this and you don't know what I mean by that, take yourself back to your last memory of when you were truly happy. Right. Because when you were in that state of euphoric bliss and you were enjoying the moment, you weren't in your head. You were in your heart. All you know, that is it felt right. You didn't have to think there was no there was no wrong you could do in the moment. You were merely existing and you were doing the right thing. I think that's really what flow is for a lot of people. It's when you're in that euphoric state where yeah. you don't have to think because everything feels right. It you makes have sense. that yeah. utmost trust in yourself, and a lot of that trust is just based on, like you were saying, your past actions, that showing up for yourself. Understand, like, yes, life does go in cycles, but when I'm in this positive cycle, I'm going to enjoy this moment.
2: Oh, yeah. Can I ask you something just because my experience is very limited to movement? Mm-hmm. What puts you, each of you in flow?
1: Communication, honestly, like I I would say more um, getting to the the coaching experience and really going into people's uh, traumas and their experiences and the things that are holding them back because I never know what I'm going to find. But I find like it's a, a discovery process with me and the client and we just go through that together. And I'm like, wow, it just all comes together like a bow. It. And I was like, okay, this is perfect. And I, that's that's like, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like everything oh, yeah. makes sense and everything just comes to me. Everything, the right question, the right phrase, the right statement, it's always just like, okay, that makes sense, that makes sense, that makes sense. And my brain, and it gets, I, I would say it got easier and easier as I got better of noticing those things personally.
2: Oh Yeah, as a coach, I can so relate to that. Going to a coaching session and getting you know, someone who's suddenly crying mm-hmm. and just having to roll with them. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah.
0: I would say there's two things that really helped me go into flow. Um, the first one means the most to me, but I think the second's the most impact for the people. The first for me is movement and mainly just being in the gym, moving my body. I know for a long time I was a very lethargic person. You could not pay me to move my body. I don't care what you call it. I was very against it. But through my own experience of learning how to show up for myself, I came to fall in love with the process of just moving my body. And the second one, I like to call it. It's helping people see the light in themselves, right? And I think that's really in the moments where you really connect with someone and you get them to see that light that they buried so deep down inside of them. And I think for me, being someone who felt absent of light for so much of my life, helping other people rediscover that light is such an impactful thing for me. It's like I can't really put it into words. Almost like I'm buzzing in the moment. I tell people all the time, like I apologize. I'm very preachy when I'm helping people find light because I just love it, right? And I love seeing someone light up. And it's always, and I'm sure you can really, as a coach, that moment when it just, it clicks in their head Mm -hmm. and their eyes just. Light up. Yeah, and it's like, oh, my goodness. How did I not see this before? And it's like that, that's what really gets me going. Like,
1: I should pay you for this, right? (laughs) (laughs) Having those experiences.
0: And also the best way you can do is pay it forward to the next person. Yes.
2: The aha moments! Yeah. There's nothing more satisfying to a coach than their clients getting there. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful.
0: Definitely love that. But do you have any final remarks that you'd like to share with the audience?
2: Um, I guess if I, I they always say when you're giving a presentation or a talk, mm-hmm. people will remember maybe two or three things mm-hmm. from yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I want them to ponder like, what do they remember from this conversation, and maybe write it down. Mm-hmm. And the second thing, if I had to think about what I want them to remember, the three things I want them to remember, the first one would be, um, give yourself grace, just accept where you are, accept who you are. And I know it's just a word being said. If I were to describe it in actual actions, drop into your belly, Mm -hmm. drop into that, just into the earth, into the world and just be like, it is what it is and just take it. Step by step, day by day. Second thing is, take that leap. Jump, just do it. Whatever it is you want to do it, I think the best way to do it, just do it. Feel it, feel the fear, feel the difficulty, and then just do it. And the third thing, don't miss out on life, be present. Whatever it is that makes you and helps you be present, do it. Be in that flow, do that activity, practice it to a point that you can do it with your eyes closed. I think these are the three things that I think people will benefit from the most, at least from my perspective and Mm -hmm. from who I am as a person if I were to give a message um, to others. I love love all three
0: of those things. I'm sure that our audience listening also loves those three things. And for our audience listening, can you please let our audience know how and where they can connect with you?
2: Yes, for sure. So I know that it's going to be shared probably on social media so that they can connect with me on Instagram. Um, Zaina Habib 7, or Voice Within. Um, I have a website also, and I'll share that information with you. They can find me on LinkedIn, and um, they can schedule. I do coaching. I do training, so they can either schedule a discovery call with me and get coached by me, or just if they want a training, do that too, and I can train a group of people. We can work together on all of these things from, like, how to be present, how to navigate change, how to be able to take that first step, and have to use our body and mind to do it.
0: Love it, perfect, definitely love it. And as always, you guys know you can reach out to us at any time to share your story or to just connect with us. You can find us on our podcast page at Success System Podcast, or you can reach out to any of us individually. Myself, you can find me on Instagram and or TikTok at I am Coach DT. That's Diaz and Dave, Tiaz and Thomas.
1: And you can find me, Coach Amadeus, on IG A M A D E U S.
0: As always, this is the Success System Podcast. We are way too spicy, and we will see you next time.
1: And that's a wrap, guys and, and ladies. Bow.